Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Austin and Jim. Thought it'd be a good time to talk about the the Quad Alliance or or maybe even a Quint Alliance. Uh, a lot of people may have seen the press presser that President Trump did with uh, the the Prime Minister of India and the Prime Minister of Japan down at the uh, the G8 uh, in us. Uh, and they may not have been aware of what what was going on there. That all three of those were talking together, Austin. What what is this alliance with Japan, India, and uh, throw in Australia and Singapore for good I, measure? I think I th- not not to not to be, be picking on it, Dan. I think that was at G20, but G20, months, right? You're you're right. It was a you know the major economic uh, powers uh, on the planet together, and there was uh, there was that uh, that photo. All right. The Quad is uh, shorthand for what is called the Quadrilateral Security Dialogue that began in 2007. And Japan approached India about discussing common problems. Uh, There were two other nations associated with Japan in this approach, Australia and the United States. And the common problems... We're China. I'm putting it it's plural, but China seeing that China's uh, expansion in the South China Sea and Japan having to play footsies with China in the East China Sea over the uh, uh, disputed islets. But then remember, China also claims Okinawa as well uh, and several other uh, islets that uh, in the East China Sea. And in other words, China's goal of breaking through the so-called first chain of islands and reaching the second chain of Pacific, uh, Western Pacific islands and breaking away from uh, the coast. Uh, India was receptive. But then remember uh, India's stance uh, after 1947-48 uh, uh, was uh, they styled themselves as uh, anti-imperialist, uh, third world, uh, third world uh, leader, and uh, was standoffish uh, to uh, the West. When their imprint of the West was uh, Great Britain, of course, and uh, made uneasy friends with the, the Soviet Union. However, they also had an experience in 1962 called the Sino-Indian War, where the uh, Chinese, Jim and I have both written somewhat extensively about about that, truly frozen war when the uh, Chinese struck out of the, uh, out of Tibetan, out of Tibet uh, and seized uh, several of the major passes uh, heading uh, south uh, into India and claiming that they had been uh, classic. Chinese territory. It was a uh, uh, an offensive conducted uh, by Mao Zedong uh, at the, at Mao Zedong's uh, uh, direction. So India and China have been at war, and the, the bad pun is really relevant here because it's so a high altitude. It's it's the Himalayas in a frozen war since 1962, which 
as given over time, uh, India much uh, reason to consider its uh, strategic position. End of the Cold War, things have changed. India's mellowed a little bit vis-a-vis its uh, history with, uh, uh, with Great Britain. They always had a good relationship with the Australians because they saw them as, as fellow members of the Commonwealth who had been abused by London. I'm not making this up. Remember the movie Breaker Morant? You'll get, you'll get the uh, you'll, you'll you'll get the gist of it. Uh, Singapore was I'm adding Singapore uh, to the mix. I named the four involved in the quad. Uh, a joke that. I've made, and it shows up in my new book, Cocktails from Hell, but we bounced it around. Jim's laughed about it, is that Singapore is the quint and the quad. Singapore had a great deal of both economic and uh, military security cooperation with both Australia and India. In fact, Singaporean forces, because and they need area uh, an area to maneuver, they go and, and train on uh, Indian military on military uh, Indian military training sites uh, in India, their Air Force trains on a on a on a couple of uh, uh, sites there, uh, uh, and I can really there's a, a, a I think an instrumented box. I know there is. I read about it. I'm not sure which uh, it is. Singaporeans are up there all the time. So you had a nascent alliance of India, Singapore. And Australia, when I say nation, it wasn't hard, but at, at a level of, of military officer to military officer cooperation, there, uh, there it was. There was an understanding. Now, remember, Singapore sits right on the Straits of Malacca. Remember that China, China's amazing economic renaissance is fed by natural resources flowing mostly from Southwest Asia and, uh, uh, and Africa, somewhat from South America, some from North America as well. But a lot of it comes and a, a lot of their strategic minerals flow through the Indian Ocean and then come up through the Straits of Malacca, through the South China Sea to Chinese ports. Look at a map of, of the Indian Ocean and look where India sits. India is positioned, if it ever wanted to, to interdict, cut off, strangle Chinese uh, ship traffic, bringing all the elements of the, that, uh, the resources that feed uh, China's economy. So could Singapore. And this is one of the things why all the Chinese uh, Chinese. Uh, expansion in the South China Sea, all the fake islands, which we've talked about at least three times and, and referred to more than that on, on strategy talk. But the uh, man-made artificial islands in the South China Sea are uh, an attempt to uh, do several things, deny the area to the U.S. Navy or make it difficult for the U.S. Navy to enter, but also guarantee Chinese ability to uh, for merchant traffic and naval ships to go down, reach the Straits of Malacca. Now, think about it. If they've got that capability relatively unhindered, are they capable of taking Singapore or some other island in uh, Indonesia or the like? I don't know. 
Not right now. What kind of war would that kick off? It's all theoretical there, Dan. But in terms of military planning, you have to recognize that that is a possible operation by the Chinese that has uh, somewhere in Beijing, someone says this has uh, a strategic utility for us, meaning uh, the, the, the Chinese, the Chinese government. Uh, if we can't buy it, and we're and we're sorely pressed, maybe we take it. Don't think the Singaporeans don't don't see this possibility, or other nations. In, along the South China Sea, the Vietnamese and Philippines, uh, Filipinos right now feel very pressed by China. Moving back to India, India has slowly, uh, s- slow. Uh, it, it has been slow, but it's been definite and it's been observed. Uh, begun more open and overt cooperation with the United States and Australia and Japan. You'll see Indian ships show up on exercises, uh, participate with them. You'll see Indian uh, military planners, also even Indian Indian diplomats and, and, and senior leaders, not just that picture with President Trump. Now, and this week, my uh, creator syndicate column, On Point, on, on strategy page, uh, discusses a high-level meeting that occurred, I think it was on December 2nd of this this, this month, between U.S. SecDef uh, Jim Mattis and India's uh, defense minister. I have a very difficult time uh, pronouncing her name, but uh, by, the, by the way, she's uh, the first uh, female defense minister uh, in India, and uh, everything I can tell from the Indian press about her, she's uh, very highly regarded. But they had a meeting in in Washington, and Mattis was extremely nuanced in what he said. He says there is, as far as the United States is concerned, there is no conflict between strategic autonomy, which is something the Indians say they want. They don't want to be anybody's lackey or perceived as somebody's lackey. And all right, no conflict between strategic autonomy and strategic cooperation. That's a very, very telling way of describing what, uh, if, if I'm looking at it as a strategist in Beijing, is a Chinese nightmare. You've got Indian, India with a billion people, and uh, compared to China, it certainly isn't as economically uh, uh, productive. Uh, India gets called the tortoise and China the hare meaning, you know, the tortoise and the hare uh, story where the, the tortoise is going to race the hare, but, uh, and the hare is way ahead. Well, that's China economically, way ahead in some ways militarily. And yet uh, the tortoise can't be ignored because the tortoise keeps slowly plowing on. And when the tortoise, in this case, India is not really a tortoise, but it is, that is employed to try to uh, to demonstrate the competition between uh, uh, China and India. <clears throat> but if India links up with Australia, the United States, and Japan, and it, it won't just be that quad, or even adding Singapore, that that uh, 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 that quint, China has a real problem. 
It's already got internal problems, but now it's got uh, diplomatic and military problems uh, of, 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 of a very high order. At least the Ch- China as an expansionist, imperial expansionist power, and that's what it's become. And some degree, that action by China, no, no not some degree, that Im- imperialist, uh, Chinese imperialism and expansionism has what's created this counter-reaction. And that's what the Quad is about, a counter-reaction to uh, uh, Chinese, uh, uh, coercive Chinese diplomacy and Chinese uh, military muscle flexing, and then out, really an outright, and I've, I've called it this, what they've done in the South China Sea is an invasion. It's an invasion using uh, construction barges and fishing fleets and Coast Guard ships and creating, creating islands and then claiming that they are sovereign Chinese territory. And they, it's just, it's completely illegal. It's the Philippines got a ruling in 2016 from the uh, uh, from the Hague on the using the UN's uh, treaty on the Convention of the Law of the Sea. Unclose. China was uh, China actually commi- uh, committed uh, theft in in terms of of, of stealing uh, fisheries, uh, fishing grounds from the uh, Filipinos, as well as as intruding upon the Filipino territory, not just into its uh, uh, exclusive economic zone. And China's just shrugged. Well, if you're going to shrug like that, then you're going to encounter uh, encounter the quad. And you're also seeing the change in the United States' attitude. We no longer see China's rise as peaceful. We see it as a threat. We see their cyber operations and 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 let me say this right now we know hey chinese intel listening to this have a good time guys uh it's uh you're getting you're getting what you deserve i'm speaking to the chinese intelligence officers listening to this uh and uh, you built uh, there's chinese action being met with a very effective diplomatic reaction and you're also seeing, I'll, Jim will talk about this in greater detail, I know, because it's, it's really, he's an expert on it. They're, they're going to be running into very competent military organizations that are, now the Australians are, 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 are about, about to field, actually they are, have, 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 have one out there, ballistic missile defense uh, guided missile uh, destroyers. The Japanese already have them. So there's going to be they're, they're going to be uh, facing uh, a high tech fleet uh, manned by absolutely uh, competent naval personnel that outclass theirs. So that's what the quad is: uh, quadrilateral security dialogue. It's not an alliance yet, but it's starting to look like one. Well, actually, it's uh, the Chinese uh, aggression is uh, spawning any number of unexpected alliances. Uh, the other one, which is part of the Quad, is what I call the Quint, and that is the Five Tigers. These are the five uh, East Asian nations which rose like a phoenix from the ashes, economically and militarily, after World War II. Japan, the most obvious one, still the second largest or third largest uh, economy in the world. Uh, South Korea, which is now in the top 10, uh, 
Taiwan, I forget where they are, but they're up there. Uh, Singapore, which you've spoken about, which is the littlest and perhaps the, the most, how should I put it, a professional tiger sitting astride the Straits of Malacca. And then Vietnam, our old enemy, is now our friend. Uh, now, I've done uh, compilations, as it were, while writing articles for Strategy Page about the relative military power of the, uh, the, uh, the five tigers. And, uh, and I, it surprised me the first time I did it, you know, earlier in the year, was that the naval power of the, uh, the, the uh, Japan and South Korea alone uh, basically uh, wipes out any advantage the Chinese, the new Chinese fleet may have had because the Americans can only put a portion of their fleet uh, even though they're leaning towards, you know, uh, Pacific now. Um, and uh, But you take that portion of the American Navy and the uh, South Korean and Japanese navies, which, as the saying goes, are fully committed uh, to uh, dealing with China. And South North Korea is considered a secondary because their their navy, their naval threat is real, but it's 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 a joke. I mean, it could be a deadly joke, as as has been demonstrated a few times. But basically, they're they're dealing with a uh, uh, an obsolete fleet, old ships, old submarines, old equipment. Uh, they have a sting. But you really have to set yourself up to let them, you know, get a, a punch in. Uh, so the Chinese have to worry about that. And of course, now, as uh, as Austin pointed out, our government has gotten more aggressive, and the Chinese are worried. I mean, this latest thing about arresting the uh, the chief financial officer of Huawei, the largest uh, telephone company. By the way, of course, as has been pointed out, she's the daughter of the founder of Huawei who is an old hand in the, uh, the the Chinese security services, senior officer. He was. Well, to some extent, he still is. Uh, and, uh, and this really got the Chinese wild. Of course, it's got the Canadians wild. They made the, re- the rest on, 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 the, on the basis of a warrant we issued. Uh, and the Canadians, uh, whatever they may believe about the Chinese, they, they believe the evidence in the war because we were basically pointing out that Huawei has been uh, facilitating uh, money laundering. Now, this is a case that actually has been around for a while, but uh, uh, and Canada apparently was in on you know helping with this, as it were, you know, the investigation of the money laundering, which bothers them as well. Uh, that the uh, uh, Huawei was one of the uh, using their their financial clot, which is substantial and international, to help set up one of the conduits. To get uh, money, you know, paid for uh, goods Iran bought, basically to uh, 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 to basically facilitate Iran smuggling, which is still going on. I just did another piece today. I mean, it hasn't won't be published for another week or so about the Iran smuggling. In this, in this case, it's a it's a uh, it's a incident which only ended in 2016 when the Brits caught up with the guy. Uh, it was not a big deal, but as I point out in the piece, which you'll see in a week or so, uh, the um, uh, the uh, this is one of many that the Iranians have going. In other words, they did not shut down. Well, I think we pointed out this before. The Iranians did not shut down their smuggling operation after the 2015 treaty, which is one reason why we we basically backed out of that. Uh, and uh, and of course, I think that the, uh, one reason for the uh, the uh, Huawei prosecution. Uh, which is dicey diplomatically, uh, is that it shows our 
NATO allies, our European allies, who are trying to set up a, a, a legal separate conduit so that uh, Iran can trade. In other words, they're trying to openly get around the, uh, the money problems uh, uh, of, of our um, um, uh, of our sanctions. Uh, that, you know, helping Iran is not helping anybody. Um, but China is, uh, is always, they have resources. They are the one enemy, so to speak, we have, who has tremendous uh, economic resources. And they are already applying them. As I pointed out in an article, as we pointed out in Th- on Thailand in uh, in uh, around uh, Thanksgiving Day, um, that China has again proposed generous terms to Thailand to build the Kra Canal. Now this has been kicked around like the Suez Canal was for centuries. Uh, it's the thinnest part of the of, of Thailand, the peninsula, now going down there the Malaysian Peninsula, um, and it's 130 kilometers, relatively flat. You know, territory. I don't think it needs any locks, but it does need some serious digging through some uh, rocky areas. Um, and the Chinese are willing, apparently, to pay the, uh, to to finance it on very generous terms. In other words, not one of these debt bombs they like to pull on people, like Sri Lanka recently. Um, simply so they have an alternative to the Straits of Malacca. Now, the Kra, I, I crunched the numbers, and the Kra Canal these days would work economically. It would be an alternative to the. Malacca Straits, which are becoming increasingly crowded to a point of being dangerous, and not just for American warships. Uh, and um, the uh, uh, it would cut two days of uh, time at sea for the major ships, the big uh, container ships and the big tankers, going to and from uh, the Indian Ocean. Uh, and it would provide China with an alternative to, Mal- to the Malacca uh, Straits. And now this bothers the Singaporeans, uh, not a big deal, because uh, being astride the Malacca Straits does provide them with a lot of business, but not an enormous amount. They have their own economy, which is, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a mighty mouse, as they like to call it. Um, uh, and they would, they still have their shipyards and, and ship repair facilities and what have you. Those would still get business if you if you got if you got ship got bent out of shape or broke down. You still steam south or get towed south to, to Singapore uh, to get get yourself fixed up. But for most ships. You know, two days off that trip uh, between uh, China, East Asia, and uh, and the Suez Canal uh, is big money for these big ships. And because of that, they can charge, like the Suez Canal does, uh, big fees, depending on the size of the ship, uh, to go through the canal. But this would take five or six years. In the meantime, as Austin puts out, uh, put, uh, you know, points out, the Chinese are in danger. Uh, and But this alliance with the Quad which is basically threatening their entire uh, sea uh, lane, as it were, from the, uh, the coast of China uh, through to the Indian Ocean, the Suez Canal in Africa. Uh, the Militarily, the, the Quint, the Five Tigers, are armed to the teeth and basically uh, spending more money. Japan has now got a, a, a defense uh, uh, budget plan, which uh, has which plans steady increases in their defense budget for the next five years. Now, for a long time after the Cold War ended, they, or even before that, they were cutting back on their defense spending. But now they're increasing, and it's all directed, well, theoretically, they, they like to say, well, China's really our friend, we're trying to defend ourselves from North Korea, but it's all aimed at uh, China, uh, and the Chinese know it. The um, uh, So the problems China has are growing, and as Austin points out, it's their own fault. 
I mean, they wouldn't be creating all these alliances and and what it, what amounts to a uh, a East Asian you know arms race. I to put it in the, give you an example. The in the air, Japan, um, South Korea, and Taiwan together, flashing including Singapore. As Vietnam doesn't have much of an air force yet, but those four have a larger fleet of modern. You know, uh, late model, the you know, uh, uh, you know, third generation and fourth generation uh, aircraft than China does, and then and a lot of and China, most of Chinese, the Chinese modern aircraft are, are illegal Russian knockoffs. I mean, they work. I mean, they're they're competent. They they fly their, they have, the pilots get a lot of air time, but so do the pilots of the four Tigers who have large air forces, um, and uh, they're all armed with uh, long range missiles. Uh, uh, guided bombs. Uh, nobody, none of them use dumb bombs anymore. And the Singaporeans, in particular, have been buying uh, long-range glide bombs and missiles, air-launched missiles, which are basically optimized for taking out uh, ships and air defense systems. The Chinese understand this. The South Koreans and the Japanese are doing the same. So they're not arming to deal with North Korea, which is basically taken care of just already. Uh, they're basically uh, putting up the anti-missile missile defense, anti-missile defenses, and the larger fleets and uh, uh, more advanced aircraft to deal with China. So yeah, China has a lot to worry about, and as well as what's that? It's their own fault. Whether or not they're going to do anything about it is hard to say. But they are doing something because of the American uh, trade war, which is having an impact. Um, which even even the government's uh, enemies in the United States, uh, you know, uh, uh, can't, you know, uh, poo-poo. Uh, the Chinese are backing down. Uh, and in fact, I think the biggest, the, the best argument for the for the uh, the Americans to get the Canadians to uh, to uh, expedite the uh, extradition of the Huawei uh, chief financial officer is that let it be our problem because what the Chinese are trying to do there. Uh, they're making it difficult for anybody, any Canadians who are in China at the moment. And China has is infamous for considering, uh, well, any foreigner is fair game. But if you're a foreign citizen, even foreign born, but have Chinese ancestry, China automatically and unilaterally considers you Chinese forever. And so they don't need to observe, as far as they're concerned, they don't need to observe any any. Uh, diplomatic niceties, uh, you're toast if they want to pick you up. Uh, they're not the only one that does this. Iran does it a lot. Korea does it. But anyway, the Chinese figure they can lean on Canada because Canada is smaller. But, you know, Canada is in the same boat with us in this respect because they're finding the Chinese have been up to a lot of, how should I put it, uh, sneaky business in Canada, economically and otherwise. Um and uh, and, if, and if they hadn't believed that, they wouldn't have picked up the Huawei exec in the first place because, boy, talk about baiting the tiger. Uh, that's doing it. But once we get a hold of her, uh, then there comes the indictment. And then it really gets embarrassing. Uh, and that's what, you know, why we may, may not be pressing uh, Canada to come on, you know, expedite. I mean, they, they have their due process going on up there, and the Chinese have the best lawyers and whoever else they can buy uh, working on, you know, keeping her in Canada and getting her free on bail so she can skip bail. Um, Canadians are hip to that, uh, but they're up against some, you know, 
they, they like to go by rule of law, something the Chinese don't care too much about. So for the moment, it's an interesting you know, battle to watch from a distance. But it's just one aspect of this, uh, this blowback that the Chinese have initiated, and they seem at, at, at sea as to how to deal with it. Isn't that wonderful? Dan, let me make a, a point on what Jim says about the arrest of the Chinese executive. This, the, the Trump administration has sent by actions, not just in words, by actions, several direct messages to the China's communist dictatorship that they're not going to get away with the continuous uh, territorial expansion. In fact, is there's a the desire uh, to see uh, China abandon an intent to see China abandon some of those artificial islands. I don't think it will ha- happen, but you can see that at, le- at least that being expressed or implied in American policy. But part and parcel of, of that is stop the cyber activities and stop the theft of technology and clean up your act in the business world. You've used all this money. You have some modernization at home, no doubt about it, uh, for some good. China largely feeds itself now. That's an amazing accomplishment. They weren't doing that 40 years ago. They are, they are now. But at the same time, you're starting to use this military muscle. You've already threatened Vietnam. Actually, attacked Vietnam and taken some islands from them. You've threatened the Philippines. You've implied that you would go to war with uh, uh, Japan. Talked loosely of of ultimately confronting the U.S. Navy. Usually they it's they couch it as the uh, as a navy. You are still at war with India, and India has animus towards uh, the Chinese. I wouldn't say it was fear. It's animus. China has backed up Pakistan. And uh, India, India deeply. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it at an emotional level. There's a, a lot of resentment for Chinese support uh, of, uh, of Pakistan, and it's the all of those elements were already in play. But the actions by uh, the Trump administration uh, have. Uh, they, I'm looking for the right word. You're not seeing an enthusiasm. You're seeing a, 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 a degree of relief on the part of these uh, uh, other nations to see that the, because the United States is the, you know, still the critical actor. We're still a hyperpower. And if the U.S. is going to take a stand like arresting a senior Huawei uh, uh, executive for, uh, as Jim said, there's an indictment out there. <laughs> it's real stuff. Uh, it is it is something that um, I'm gonna that steals s t e e l s hardens the uh, it's it reinforces the will to resist China on the part of these other nations, and that's this is this is happening in real time. It's uh, it's it's overdue. But China, this is why I'm going to say it again, but in a slightly different way. China had a real opportunity to modernize 
uh, gain wealth, and then liberalize. I mean, liberalizing in the uh, classic uh, British 18th, 19th century liberal sense, uh, develop a democratic polity instead of an authoritarian dictatorship. And they chose not to do that. And they counter-reaction to their, uh, to their aggressive military and aggressive economic, and I'll even use the, uh, I already said, coercive diplomacy. I, I guess we ought to use the I in dime too, huh, Jim? Intelligence information because of all the cy- cyber war, because their dime aggression, using the acronym for the elements of power, uh, they're getting a high-level dime uh, counter-reaction by nations on their borders and uh, the most powerful nation in the world. You know, yeah, they, they, they've annoyed Canada as well. I mean, that's the only reason, but it's one of the reasons Canada, you know, was not saying, well, maybe we shouldn't grab this gal. Uh, they have a lot of beefs with China, which they don't are not as loud about as we are, but they feel the pain economically and in terms of intellectual property theft uh, as much as we do. Uh, and like you say, uh, our, you know, this, this particular act with the Huawei executive uh, basically demonstrated that we're not all cowering at the uh, Chinese threats. Well, well, look, and I think it's on us. I know this is everybody. I think it's on us to take this action because the Chinese want to do everything bilaterally so they can beat up on Vietnam and not pay any uh, price for it, beat up on the Philippines, threaten Japan. Even you know, spar with spar with India, and you know, with Canada. Oh well, we won't buy this from you. You know, look. Even though the the Canadians are uh, quite competent, they need a new air force, by the way. Buy F-35s, guys. But I have making. I, I have no interest in Lockheed Martin. I want to see a Canadian air force that isn't flying uh, dated uh, CF-18s. But uh, the, militarily competent, one of America's closest allies. But China could bully them. They're not going to bully us. They're not going to bully us. And she gets brought to the states. A lot of this, uh, a lot of this is going to come out in in court. It's going to embarrass the Chinese. Good. They deserve to be embarrassed. Now, Jim, one of the things that with all of this activity that's going on is China is walking a very thin tightrope here with their economy, correct? They could tip over into negative growth and uh, because their population, they still need to supply a huge number of jobs and uh, things could turn south for them very quickly, correct? Yes, well, they have two problems. One, they made a promise, Deng Xiaoping back in the 1980s, that we will let you get rich. He said it's glorious to get rich, but you must, you know, recognize the, the primacy of the of the Chinese Communist Party. Remember, the security services, the military, they swear an oath to defend the Communist Party, not China. And that that always rankle that rankles uh, a lot of countries that are communist dictatorships, which most of Eastern Europe used to be. They want a military that that, that swears to defend the country, not you know, uh, it's one bunch of uh, crooked uh, politicians. Um, and they uh, uh, they so far have held up their end of the bargain. The, the economy has skyrocketed. Hundreds of millions of people have entered, you know, by their standards, the middle class. And the, the people have generally uh, remained, you know, loyal or at least peaceful. But 
the Chinese are, as Austin puts it, are walking on thin ice because they basically use their absolute control over the banking system to allow uh, a, a basically a debt bubble. Uh, this is the kind of thing that hit uh, Japan in the 1990s, and they never fully recovered from. But Japan had another problem, which was hurting them. They had the, the problem of the, how should I put it? When people get rich, they have fewer kids. I know that sounds strange that you're from, from Utah, but in the rest of the world, you know, when you become a rich programmer, you say, the wife says, nah, you know, one and done. Um, the uh, Chinese weren't really expecting that, apparently, and they've just reversed it. They've allowed two children, uh, maybe three if you're still living in the boondocks. Um, but right now, one of the things China is doing uh, illegally is, and I wrote, I mentioned this, we did the piece on Burma today, we, we uh, have on strategy page, that they are more aggressively uh, <laughs> stealing women from, from Burma. For, you know, Chinese back. I mean, seriously, uh, that's become a big business they don't want to talk about because it's strictly illegal. Uh, you know, Chinese men that, that they during the uh, the latter part of the, uh, how should I put it, the economic boom, there were like 20 percent more men born than women because you could check for the uh, the, the gender of the uh, of the child before it was born and abort it. You know, if it was going to be a girl and many Chinese did, because if they're going to have one, they want a son because, you know, uh, in their tradition, the son will look after them. Although as a practical matter, a daughter is more likely to look after her parents than the son is. But that's something they are ignoring for the moment. Um, and uh, so now they have this enormous, you know, a wife shortage. And this is aggravating a lot of Chinese. Um, and uh, and then, of course, they have hanging over them the economic uh, trauma that is waiting to hit them all in the side of the head. But people are already angry at how the Chinese government, in order to maintain the, the, the viability of their banking system with all this bad debt, they have manipulated, they're allowed to be manipulated, the uh, stock market. You get this new stock market. And the government can basically turn on a stock market crash anytime they want. Talk about pump and dump. Well, there it's national policy. And that aggravates a lot of people because a lot of these people with their new wealth, they put it into the stock market. Uh, the Chinese are also less than, you know, as diligent as people would like to going after the Ponzi schemes and all the other, you know, uh, 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 fly by night, you know, financial things that uh, pop up when people suddenly have a lot of uh, a lot of money. It you know it looks like the uh, United States in the 1920s before the crash of 29. Uh, you had a lot of the same things going on, but it's also more. Uh, how should I put it? Uh, scarily for China, it's like what was going on in Japan, which is basically a real estate bubble. There was no. There was no banking shenanigans. Uh, they just got the, the bank system went boom, and the Japanese government felt we cannot afford to let these banks, you know, just clean themselves out, as it were. Uh, they went into a lot of debt. Uh, they did a slow roll, as it were. But at the same time, they were being hit with this this cascading this cascading uh, baby shortage. Uh, and uh, if you read up on that, you'll find out it's a it's still difficult to be a, a mother in, in Japan. They need babies. They say, oh, women, please have more kids. But they don't make it easy for them. Maybe they, a mom gets treated badly. And let's leave it at that. Uh, the China is trying the incentives, you know, extra tax breaks, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, with all this uncertainty, it's the uncertainty, as Austin points out, that is, is, is making the Chinese nervous. They don't want to have more kids. Uh, they say, yeah, maybe we should. 
But, you know, let's just put more money in the bank account. And that's something else the Chinese can't change because people do. The savings rate in China is much higher than in any other industrializing uh, nation because people feel they can't depend on the government to help them out when they get older. So people are are looking into, you know, taking care of themselves. And something else we've mentioned is the rate of wealthy Chinese who are basically establishing citizenship, second citizenship in other countries and moving illegally now. It used to be semi-legal to do it. Assets, you know, out of the country uh, uh, because they basically don't trust their own government. You know, this is a new they, – they, they, they apparently have more – millionaires than any other country in the world now. Uh, but a lot of these millionaires who know more about business than the average Chinese understand that the way the Chinese government is operating, you really can't trust the commie bastards. Uh, and um, uh, uh, they are basically making plans to make a rapid exit and a soft landing somewhere else. Uh, this, is, this is not the mark of a country that is an economic miracle and people are happy about it. Because in Japan... You didn't have a lot of Japanese, you know, uh, making for you know, preparing for a, a secondary citizenship and a soft landing somewhere. They thought they could do it all themselves. And they did, even though they're in trouble now. Uh, they basically are. It's a real democracy, uh, <coughs> East Asia style. And, um, you know, they're the masters of their own fate. But in China, you are still basically subjects of the Communist Party. It's still like the empire, just with different names. And... This is causing internal problems in China, which they don't even want people to talk about. But, you know, shades of George Orwell, uh, 1984 is coming, but a little late because they've got the cameras everywhere. They've got the, uh, I don't know about the two-way TV, but I wouldn't be surprised if they have a version of Echo or, you know, Alexa. Uh, They've got the social score. Uh, They want to pin and chip everybody. Uh, it's, uh, it's coming and even the Chinese don't care for it. Uh, they've always put up with a lot of, you know, government, you know, regulation as it were. That's why China was for a long time, the most populous and the wealthiest country in the world. But that basically ended when the industrial revolution hit the rest of the world. Uh, and they're still trying to scramble back. And a lot of Chinese, you know, even though you can't talk about it on the Chinese internet, they, they, there's a whole subculture of rapidly changing code words. You know, as soon as the censors catch up with the new, you know, uh, a code, as it were, uh, people just quickly develop. And they've taken that as, as normal. Uh, you, you know, what's the code war for, you know, Chinese party, you know, idiots, and, and it quickly gets around until it gets caught up with. So there are aspects of what's going on in China that are not generally known in the rest of the world, uh, and they are the true predictors of where China is going. And as Austin points out, they're not going to a good place at the rate the, at where, now, where, where, they're, where they're operating now. Let me make a comment on uh, before we wrap this up, Dan, on, on what Jim just said about what I, I – this, this is a term I've been experimenting with, you know, Chinese digital repression, using all of this <laughs> uh, digital equipment sensors of, of various types to monitor their own population. They're still riding the Tiananmen tiger, which is another tiger referred to. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you know, which, we, which, which doesn't exist in China, but anyway. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah it does, <laughs> but it does. 
And I know. It, it, do, it does. Uh, lots of people know about it. They try to erase it, 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 history there. And there, the communist government killed at least 2,000. Uh, 20,000. Well, no, I know. I more know. documents have been released recently. I know. I know. I know. I know. The, the, I, I'm battling over the figures. Let's just take okay. the basement one, too. But they, but they literally flushed the bodies away. They ordered I know, the, the I know. troops to run them over and flush them down the Anyway, a totally, totally, totally ugly, barbarous, and vicious, and it hasn't gone away. And where China, just to repeat what Jim said, they're not going to a good place. And I don't think the repression's going to work. I think it may ultimately be it, it gets so bad it becomes a source of ignition. That's what it does. A source of ignition for igniting a, a, a absolutely, absolutely terrible revolt. And it would be one that had extraordinary economic repercussions for the rest of the planet. Here, we've moved from discussing the quad, but Dan, can you see why the quad is forming? It's forming because of uh, uh, China's external actions. But China also represents, China is an inter, internal mess with consequences for everybody else. Yep. Well, we've run out of time, and we'll wrap it up there, and we'll talk to you gentlemen next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Till then.